everybody, welcome to Film Music Media. My name is Kai Savas, and I'm sitting down with a good friend of mine, uh, Tim Wynn. Tim, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks, Kai. Good to see you. Yeah, good to see you. I know we've we've done, I think, four or five interviews over the past like seven years or whatever. I remember back when I was just doing them on Skype and and you were one of the first people that were so nice to to come on and, and talk about your work. So I'm so glad that we get to reconnect and talk about um, Midnight Suns and some new projects and stuff like that. Yeah. So, but um, to to start off, um, I've been asking this new question to composers that I've, I'm, I love getting the responses back. So I don't think I've asked you this one yet. Um, and so you can take it as a, how, as a simple question, but probably a very complicated question. Um, <laughs> as a human being, as an artist, as a, you know, as a storyteller, as a musician, as a composer, what does music mean to you? Well, uh, yeah, that's a big question. Uh, I mean, for me, it kind of just, it, it means everything. Uh, and I know that's kind of a, not a, it's kind of a cop-out sort of thing, but it like, as a, a media composer, I'm always working. I'm always thinking about music. I'm uh, if I watch a movie, I'm I'm thinking. I, I I can't really. I'm analyzing it the, as the whole way through. So for me, music is a part of my body, just as my two arms are, my two legs, and everything. It's just like an extra sense. It's it's just. It really is that you know integral to how I see the world. Yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, I mean, it's the way you communicate. It's the way you express yourself. And right. you've turned that in from your into a career. So I'm curious. I know we've talked about this in the past, I'm sure. But for anybody who's new to to discovering you or, or meeting you, um, what was the catalyst? Do you do you remember the point in your life where it went from like, oh, this is something I'm interested in to uh, like, no, this is something that I want to do for the rest of my life. This is something that I want to build a career. Do you remember? Was there a point or did it just happen gradually over time? And you're like, OK, I'm in this now. Or was it like, was there some you know, intervention of, of like a, 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 a person or a, something you saw that just was like, nope, that's it. So I don't know. I'm curious. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if it was like a bolt out of the sky that that did it. But um, I definitely remember always writing music from when I couldn't play the piano or anything like that. But there was always melodies and 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 music going around in my head. Um, and I was, uh, you know, in my early days, I was always into sports and and doing that sort of thing like that. But music was something that always I was thinking about, even while I was uh, participating in sports. Um, and then, you know, playing air guitar, you know, I was, you know, always thinking about trying to be a rock and roll star or something like that. And and I think it was right before high school that I really realized that, that I need to stop doing everything else and just focus on music because that is something that I wanted to do. Uh, and so I got, um, I mean, I'd been taking guitar lessons and learning piano myself. Uh, by myself uh, this whole time. So I think that's, it was before high school, I really knew that that was the career goal I was going to do. And so in high school, I I, I love doing sports too. So I, I continue with that because I just couldn't yeah. help myself. Um, <laughs> but I started getting into choirs and, and getting more involved with, you know, the composition and theory, the actual, you know, nuts and bolts of it, not just the songwriting part of it. So, um, so, it, I mean, it happened gradually, but I, but at the same time, I think around 12 years old, I was, I was pretty focused on like, yes, I am going to do something in music at that time. It wasn't, yeah. um, I'm going to, you know, be a film composer. I wasn't sure what I was going to do with that, that creative energy, but, but it was, it was definitely that the focus was before high school, that, that, that was going to be my career path. And do you remember what put you into like screen comp like media composition? Was it something specific there? 
because you could have gone and music is such a wide thing. I know a lot of yeah. uh, composers who were like, I'm in bands and I thought I was gonna be a rock star. And then this, the uh, quiet life in the studio seemed more my speed. So I'm curious, what was the, what was the appeal of, of writing to, to picture and telling stories that way? Well, I, I mean, I, th I think, I think you, you said some of it where, um, you know, you, you thought you're going to be a rock star and then you got tired of waiting for the drummer to show up all the time. You know, <laughs> it's always a drummer's being late. Sorry, drummers, but uh, you guys got to clean your stuff up. But uh, um, so, I mean, I, I felt, I felt that way a little bit, but at the same time, um, I, I had a mentors in high school that, uh, you know, saw me what I was doing and said, Hey, you, you know, this other, you know, avenue uh, of scoring, uh, or, you know, using your musical talents this way. And so I remember really starting my classical journey in high school where, uh, you know, I think the gateway drug for any of any of us, a film composer was uh, Gustav Holtz, the planets. Mm. And, um, you know, if you're familiar with it or not, but it's, it's yeah. just really, you, you watch it and you're like, Oh my God, I've seen all these, this score, you know, being used for all these movies, you know, uh, for so many years. And it was like kind of a light, I, I think that would be a light bulb moment for me. Uh, if I had it, uh, that it was, it was that it was like, oh, that's, that's, that's where this music derives from. This is, you know, this is where John Williams is, is using it and, and, and things like that. So it felt, it felt like that was like, at the same time, I was still doing the songwriting, doing the sort of pseudo rock and roll stuff. Yeah. Um, but uh, but that part was I was building that that part of my, uh, you know, vocabulary, music vocabulary up there. And then when I finally could express it, maybe a little bit later in college when I was writing, you know, um, piano uh, uh, sonatas and string quartets and things like and things like that, that I felt more comfortable, you know, being in that uh, arena. Absolutely. And uh uh, I want to so let, I want to jump into I mean you, your career has been so great because it's so versatile you've done film and TV and and video games and we're about to talk about video games but um um you know the, that that versatility you're not you haven't like boxed yourself into a certain type of medium but I want to focus on on video games before we jump into some of your projects you know I want to talk I just want to maybe talk about the industry in general because not just, I mean, not just the film industry and TV industry is seeing this seismic shift that we're going through in the industry, but so are the, so is the game industry. We're seeing similar mergers and, and uh, things. Do you see any parallels of how the video game industry is shaping into the future to what film and TV is going through? Or do you think it's completely different in what's happening right now? <laughs> well, no, I, I mean, I, I think, I think you said it, uh, it, there's, it's a shifting sands with the, yeah. uh, you know, all the streaming uh, avenues, uh, everything is becoming so segmented that um, in in the old days, I used to think that I knew what it meant to be uh, famous or or infamous or whatever it was that you that the right. projects that you were working on, like that was part of the zeitgeist that everyone, you know, kind of uh, did it. But it, it's now um, I now like can say, well, yeah, I worked on Supernatural for 15 seasons. Uh, yeah. and some people are like, oh my God, that's amazing. And some people are like, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, so it is really, um, I've really figured out that everything is so segmented that even in, especially in the games industry, it's like some people have heard about the games that I've done, even though they're all triple A and some people haven't. And right. so it's, it's, it, it's, it, it is, it is a unique uh, thing. So I, I almost feel like everyone is in there, you know, a million different lanes and, yeah. you know, all you can do is, is, you know, work on the projects that you can work on and, and enjoy it and, and, you know, and worry about yeah. how that all, you know, society and everything else sorts it all out. And, you know, you, you just try to focus on what you can control, which is 
writing the best music you can for every every opportunity you can. Yeah, I agree with that completely. I think a lot of people, especially with all the at least studio mergers, a lot of anger and frustration, which I get, but it's like also. I think we have to adapt as well as everything around us changes. And, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm going through it too. I mean, I, I work at Cartoon Network Studios, the merger with right. Discovery, but I think it's, you know, it's tough, but also, you know, we're, we're prepping for the future and always changing. You have to always adapt. And I think um, as part of a great, if you're in a creative role, yeah, you just go with the flow and just do your best work, but you got to adapt I mean, too. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. I mean, some people, you know, you talk to Discovery, it's like, well, some people might think Deadliest Catch is the best show on TV and watch it all all the time it's very popular but a lot of people are going to be like well the crown is my favorite so right. you know you, you're um for me like you said my career it, it's been kind of all over the map and 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 it, it's been great that way yeah, yeah because i haven't been typecast into any one uh segment where it's like oh he's the that guy he's the that guy well i've i've done a lot of you know sort of a shotgun approach and for me that's helped me uh, continue to be creative because i'm not doing the same thing over and over again for, you know, 35 years or however, not 35 years, I haven't been doing that long, but, but, uh, you know, for, for a long time and it's not, I'm doing, oh, all right, the same action movie over and over and over and over and over again. So um, for me, it's helped, help me uh, stay creative and, and be fresh and, and just go to new, you know, new, new areas of music. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's talk about a new area of music that you jumped into. Let's, let's talk about Midnight Suns, Marvel's Midnight Suns, which is getting amazing reviews and, um, you're reteaming with the Fire Axis Games team that uh, you worked with XCOM and, you know, did amazing work with them. And so before we jump into the game, I, I want to talk about that, that composer developer relationship, because you see it's, you know, you see these kind of uh, these resident, uh, sometimes a resident composer will stay with the developer through. I mean, you, I just interviewed, you know, Grant and Graham from GoldenEye64, and they were part of the Rare team, yeah. you know, back in the 90s. And then you see some like Enon, who's with Bethesda and, you know. So um, talk to me about being a composer and working with a, a, a game developer and how that relationship is and going from project to project. Yeah, uh, it's been it's been great. Um, you know, I got brought in to do XCOM and then XCOM 2 and War of the Chosen. So I, I really felt comfortable with everybody that was working there. We had, you know, similar uh, you know, just ways of, of working with each other. So it 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 felt it felt really good. And as a composer, uh, especially a media composer, you're used to kind of being in your own box mm -hmm. and working by yourself for your own thing. So then integrating with a bigger company like Foraxis and 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 uh, you know you become part of the team. So that that part feels really good. Um, that you're not just working with one or two people. I mean, it, you know, for a game, you know, here we already talked about the music, but right. It, if it wasn't for the producers of everybody part of this huge company uh, doing all amazing stuff from artwork to, you know, it, it just, it's all collaborative. And, 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 and I'm so thankful to be part, part of their, uh, their team, just being able to, to express in, in music, what they, what they're looking for in a game. So. Yeah. So let's talk about what they were looking for with Midnight Suns. You're doing this amazing um, I mean, massive, you know, 60 to 70 hour RPG turn-based combat, uh, Marvel, uh, you know, inspired, you know, with characters and a huge ensemble with every, you know, known character that everyone loves. So what were the initial conversations about this game and what kind of music were they looking for and what did you want to bring to this project? Well, it, it started with that that we're going to do something that is in the Marvel universe, right? The music needs to sound like it comes from it. So from the very beginning, uh, we weren't like, all right, let's, 
deconstruct everything and and start from a blank page. It didn't make any sense to do that. So hmm. we knew it had to be part of the Marvel tree. So, but we wanted to create like a new branch of the Marvel tree of music. So it would have its own unique character. Um, so that's, that's kind of where it started. And we used um, some of the inspiration from the, the Midnight Suns comic books being from the 1990s. Yeah. Uh, so we tried to use that as like, you know, a, sort of a, a point of a reference, like what, what, what sort of action scores from those movies that, that we can kind of draw from. Um, so uh, I was I was looking into it and I, I actually forgot that I was thinking about Alan Silvestri's um, great scores for the Predator series. Oh, yeah. And yeah, it was great, great scores. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, and yeah, I love it. And uh, so I was trying to think of like that 90s action uh, movie type vibe. But then I, I kind of forgot that that actually placed at the end of the 80s so yeah, I, that was I like 87 of, so. it was yeah it was 80 yeah i did i but i didn't really think about i guess i just i you know thought about it in the 90s so much and and jameson howard's the fugitive mm-hmm. uh james yeah. horner um i mean you know wrath of khan but that was definitely in the 80 you know early 80s uh right. so those were some of the things that like all right can i can i use some inspiration from some of those scores and sprinkle in some marble and a little bit of guitar and that's basically what the sound uh ended up being for midnight suns so and he also worked with uh eco composer phil boucher who yeah. is a fantastic composer and he's uh, yeah, yeah. but you know gaming is also unique sometimes i'm and i also do want to talk about total war too which was a, a you know a big team of composers <laughs> so we'll get we'll get to that one but so yeah, yeah. how did how did you and phil work do you guys work separately or did you guys work together at all uh, we worked a little bit together, but I, I would say it was mostly separately. At the at the very beginning, it was we delineated where Phil was going to do all the interactive, and mm-hmm. I was going to do all the themes and and um, and all the cutscenes and things like that. So uh, I didn't know it at the time of how much music it was going to take. You know, sometimes yeah. <laughs> sometimes when you're working on a game project, you're on a need to know basis, and right. uh, and 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 some of the outside. Uh, people that you're not in it every day like they are i mean you're working on your part of part of the thing but you sometimes yeah. don't get to see the overall picture so um now that i'm past it and now i'm looking looking back and uh i mean it was it was basically like writing a trilogy uh what yeah. i was doing like like for movies so it almost felt like i was writing lord of the rings because it does happen in midnight suns happens in three acts but it feels like like three separate movies uh, right. and it, it's about that much music, uh, three hours of, of, of music. So, um, you know, we worked on at, at the very beginning, just like what we were going to do. And then he could see if I, if any themes that would come up that he could integrate in, into this score. But uh, yeah, Phil was great. I, and I'm so happy that they, they were wise enough at the very beginning to have two composers start. Cause I mean, uh, many, most of the projects I work on nowadays are yeah. multiple composers because there is so much music the game is the games are so huge and so it really worked well uh having us do you know the, the way it worked out so yeah and i mean because I, I yeah that this game is a a beast of a game and and there's a lot going on there's a big ensemble cast and uh and of course it has you know the the, the combat stuff it has a lot of exploration it has a lot of dialogue kind of similar to what people might see in like mass effect like really building relationships and turn and like decisions that you're, the player is going to make so and you mentioned about composing a trilogy but how did were you able to like envision that structure at the start or did you kind of did it kind of take shape as the project moved along <laughs> yeah well uh, as a little bit different than howard shore if i'm using the analogy for lord of the rings where right. he, he was able to see um 
see the full movie. So I, I, they didn't have the cutscenes completed then. So it was kind of developing as we, right. as, as we went. So um, we didn't know like uh, how we were going to treat the themes for the characters. We knew that there was going to be a Midnight Suns theme. Um, we knew there was going to be the bad guy, uh, which is Lilith um, in, in this. So she was going to have a theme as well. After that, we didn't really, uh, you know, figure figure which who's going to have the themes, and, and so it, it kind of took to about the fourth or fifth cutscene, and then um, Chris Stoller and Chad Rocco at uh, Firaxis said, "Well, um, we need a theme for the the uh, uh, Bruce Banner, uh, who was being Bruce Banner at the time. You know, eventually he'll turn into Hulk when he's angry. Right. You know, of course. Um, so I was I was a little bit curious because he really wasn't doing anything in that theme in that scene. So it was just like he was just sitting there talking. I'm like, well, you know, the uh, Jerry Goldsmith in me and the Elmer Bernstein that you know I went to and learned from at, at school would say, well, what's the motivation? Why were we playing the theme? But they asked for right. a theme. I'm like, okay, well, here's you know here's a theme, and and I didn't really at that point I, I didn't really realize that that decision was going to evolve us into everyone having their own theme from from then on to help you know really help tell the story and I, i'm thankful that it did because I, I i didn't have the whole like i couldn't map out everything oh let's like yeah. this is where the theme hulk's theme is going to be here be there and and and, and how it's all going to work out so that was the challenging part of it and also the rewarding part of it um doing it because it really was um having these themes evolve change do do different things and different cutscenes uh you know really made it you know very rewarding for me absolutely i mean so yeah, yeah you got to do like an ensemble kind of theme and then for midnight suns and then pick apart those yeah. characters and then watch that develop did you did you like you know i was just talking i was on the panel talking about how um one composer was like oh yeah i wrote this amazing theme as the start and didn't realize down the road i made it so chromatic that it was so hard to make it sad or exciting or something like that did you ever run into issues where like Oh, this theme works great for that intro scene where he's just sitting there. But then, if he had to yeah. be bigger or something or s smaller, was there any uh, any uh, you know uh, challenges of adapting that theme and variations throughout, like, or any of the uh, Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I that that's a good point. What what the composer said was, and that's I've done that trap before. Uh, so <laughs> when I when I've tried to write a main theme, uh, I have sat there and thought, okay, how are other ways that I can integrate this you know yeah. if it's going to be happy it's going to be sad this you know any, any of the emotions how can i do it so usually when i write a main theme i i go over it briefly i can of course you know i don't have the time to like write every right. single permutation of, of yeah. the theme but I, I definitely have that in the back of my mind if i and especially if it's very chromatic like you said because mm -hmm. that makes uh changing chords over it very difficult um, so you have to kind of think about that ahead of time um with the theme that i mentioned for bruce banner I, I didn't really think about it as much. I didn't have time because I didn't think that that, I, yeah. that at a moment, I'm like, oh, I'll just write a little motif. And and I did. And I, I wasn't thinking how it was going to work out. So that <laughs> it worked out as well as it did. It yeah. really feels, you know, like it, it feels good because I mean, I didn't do the super chromatic thing, but, it, but it was, um, you know, Bruce has his dark moments. He has his, uh, you know, he's really, you know, I don't want to give away all the spoilers, but of what, right, what right, right. I, but you, you, you you, you'll figure it out but but yeah being able to use that theme in, in, in as many places that i was able to i'm i'm really happy it worked out that way so maybe it's just by happenstance or or whatever that i knew not to write it like 12 tone you know uh, <laughs> uh stuff underneath it but uh yeah it worked out really good yeah so take take me behind like what the timeline is like you know 
with a, with a game it can you know go into years and years of development it can be years and years of production and now we're seeing this kind of a new trend where you know developers are under this immense pressure of trying to get a game out then of course gets delayed and you know because everyone needs to make certain dates and announcements and stuff like that and it becomes almost common where you know the date gets pushed and pushed i'm curious what it, what the timeline on this game was like and uh how often as a composer because i know you I've talked to like Jason Graves where he'd be like, oh yeah, you know, every few months you'd come in and do something, then you don't hear back and then you come back and you add some more. And so I'm curious what the the process is like on a, on a game in general, maybe not just Midnight Suns, but in general, like how long are you on it from start to finish and not, not necessarily how much music and work you're doing, but like from getting hired to when it's fully delivered. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, it, it varies from, from game to game that I've worked on. Um, you know, for XCOM, I think I started in March and I had six months to do it. Oh, wow. uh, so it was a lot of really, really quick sort of action, just mm -hmm. kind of like, you know, kind of like a movie or or anything other projects I've worked on. Uh, for Midnight Suns, it was a much longer um, development. Uh, and it we also had something in, in between during that development and it was called COVID. So yep. there was a little bit, yeah. So a little bit of uh, issues with that as well. So, I mean, we knew we were going to make this huge, you know, game and it was going to be massive. And, and I think the guys in Firaxis were, they were evolving everything as I, I started going, we knew we were going to yeah. do movies. We, I mean, we ought to do it. So there was a little bit of, of change. It wasn't, I don't think planned out, exactly the way they wanted to at any time that you know jake solomon or garth the angels they like hey what if we did this what if we did that i think they keep on trying to make the game better better and better and better so um as that the minutes got longer and 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 we just kept on adding things yeah. to it so um that's that's the thing i think i think i love about game development was they're always trying to improve for the most almost every game I've ever worked on everyone to the last minute is working as hard as they can to make the gameplay better in any way shape or form so if it can make it two percent better we're going to spend that time that money yeah. those sources to do it um so when it comes out that everyone's going to be you know thrilled and 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 you know really happy with it and especially with the with the you know those marvel uh aspect of it you know you you just really want to knock it out of the park and and as yeah. you said the are, are are really you know through the roof and it, you know everyone's having a good time playing it and with these games i think it takes a little bit longer it's not something like these first person shooter games or everyone just plays it you know in one month and then it kind of goes away so uh much much like xcom i'm i go back and play that once a year easily if not yeah. if not more because it's so much fun. So that's kind of how I expect Midnight Suns to be. It's just something that's going to last for, you know, a long time. And and I'm currently working on the DLCs. And uh, um, so we're going to, those are going to be coming out. And, uh, you know, it, people people love the, you know, it's fun fun to play with your, you know, comic book heroes and, and make characters and interact with them. So, you know, I think it's something that's going to last for a long time. Yeah. I mean, I'll, 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 I, we're, I know we were talking before we hit recording just about, you know, families and, and dads and kids. And my friend, I told you who had three kids, he, he, his favorite game is XCOM. And he's like, that's my yeah. me time game. So he's like, I, I got my switch and I'm just like, between, between emergencies at home, I'm just, I'm an XCOM. <laughs> yeah, no, it's fun. And and when my kids were little, when, when, when I did that, um, I didn't think they really, they were more into Minecraft. They didn't really think they liked yeah. XCOM, but loved, they, they really love to make their own characters. So I made, you know, basically my my whole family, and that's my squad that goes in there. Yeah. So, 
So it's what he said. He's like, you're in here too. We have a whole text group from high school. He's like, I made everybody in here a character in the game. Yeah. And it's hard. Then you come back from a mission and someone's dead. You know, if it was one of my kids, I went, you know, I kind of like rage quit and and undo myself. I haven't finished Iron Man. So, you know, where you can't, there's no changes. You die, you die. So I haven't been brave enough to do that. But yeah, it's it's fun. I mean, I think I even picked up a, there was a game when I was young called, um probably no one has heard of it but it's made by Microprose. if you ever remember that name of that company but no, I don't old, so. really old school <laughs> like very beginning of computers like time yeah. and it was called f19 stealth fighter and i saw it on steam i'm like oh it's seven bucks I'll, you know so i i open it up and and you know it's called f19 stealth fighter they didn't even know it was that's the wrong you know it's f117 but right anyway you had that all wrong whatever, but you, but I opened it and played it. And I'm like, oh my God, this is what I played when I was 16. This is, I mean, I still play it. It's fun, but it's, I mean, the graphics are awful. I mean, it's just, I mean, there's just, it's a fun, they did a great, amazing job of of making a cool game with what they had. But I, I I remembered it like it wasn't this bad, but it, it was this (laughs) bad, you know, like just, just the, not the game itself, the, the the experience and the experience controls, the, you know, the, the colors, the, just the, it's the graphics really that, that, that I'm responding to for that. So, yeah, I'm, I'm in the same boat right now because I grew up with Goldeneye. So when they just released it on the switch and, you know, I, I literally started, you know, I'm like, how do I, how did I shoot? (laughs) You know, it's like, you're walking around. I'm like remapping my joysticks, like uh, N64. How do we do this one joystick? I don't remember. So it's just like, you're just adapting. No, I know. I know you look at those things and and I, uh, one of the games i played uh early on too was wolfenstein yeah. and and it's like you know i don't even think i mean i look at people play it on video or on youtube and stuff like that i'm like oh my god i don't know how i mean it's so yeah. square and so this and that but it was still you know it had its own brilliance and and yeah. same with GoldenEye. Yeah. but you know i don't know if you can ever go home again but i but n- the nostalgia factor of it just take my money i'm happy to do it yeah. I, I i think these things once they're in our universe it's like just you know, keep on going and and keep on playing it. And, and it, it's, it's so much fun to revisit these things, I think. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I love that. Like, yeah, now technology is allowing us to come back, not just with remakes, but just, you know, ports and just, you know, you know, just emulate them on online and just play them as they were rather than redesigning them from the ground up. So I think that's also yeah, a, no. a real, real fun thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I think I played a lot of, uh, um, I'm trying to remember, uh, Tech Mobile. Yeah. and and super tech mobile in that game and but you know so i had a lot of fun playing it but i don't know if i want to see it remade i, I kind of want to <laughs> really? play it the way i played it when i was in college you know exactly and, uh, it, it has its own like it has its quirks it has its things but you know big deal absolutely <laughs> well i want to jump into another uh let's jump another game that you did last year total war warhammer 3 which is a completely different uh approach that midnight than midnight suns was so t- i mean you uh, you know, this is another series of games that you, I mean, you co-composed with Richard Bedow, Jamie Christofferson, uh, and Ian Livingston, Simon Raven, and, and then yourself. So talk to me about how different of an approach this was to Midnight Suns, and then you're working on a team of, you know, this many composers and what, how that differs. <laughs> yeah, well, well, Richard is the the ringleader, and so mm-hmm. he keeps us all, you know, straight and, and, and narrow on everything. So uh, with Warhammer, what's great is you it's easy to divide the work up. It's like you work on one um, race or faction and you do all the music for that. So uh, okay. so um, and that also was done during the pandemic. So um, it was tricky yeah. when we we're having to record live orchestra because it's it's one of those that you can't really 
uh, fake it with it needs it absolutely needs to have live orchestra. So um, when we were recording in Prague, um, I was looking forward to going, but I couldn't go. Yeah. And then, um, you know, listening to uh, monitoring the session, you know, uh, for a week, you know, got to get up at midnight. And that was that was the whole thing. But but listening, to, uh, I was uh, listening to the performers cough and do the, You know, we, we just had this tiny little window around Thanksgiving after the first, um, you know, year of 2020 and, and to record. And it was like, I'm like, oh, my God, are these people going to make it? And then I had to do choir. And, and it's the same thing. I'm hearing all this coughing and this, and I'm talking to the contractor and he said, the only reason why we can do this is because these people have already had COVID. So they had, wow. they already had COVID and recovered from it. And then, you know, they were able to do our project, but, um, but yeah, but, but going back to what your, your question, it, you know, uh, uh, we really work in our own lanes. Richard is the center of it and he uh, deals with us and me and Ian and, and, and Jamie and, and and we do our own stuff and and it, and sometimes we dabble in each other's uh factions if there is uh, Richard's not a masochist so sometimes we if we're doing like all this heavy battle music for yeah. one faction he'll say hey just do some for another faction and then you you have to kind of get up to speed with that but but he lets you kind of create your own sound and you know with him where it's like all right wh what should the sound like let's let's try to make it like this let's come up with ideas and then we kind of ping pong back uh one another and, and just create you know really really co cool fun music and is there like a do you have like a shared folder or something where you can like see what everyone is doing and so you're not like doing the same thing someone else is or do you guys are all on the same page of who what kind of styles or is it just like um if, if need be if if i do go into a new style then then that's when we share the folder but other than yeah. that for the most part we're sticking you know with the factions Family. that we have to do. Yeah. so yeah 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 so it's fun i mean it's it's i love fantasy music and i mentioned lord of, lord of the rings earlier and yeah and that's, yeah it's you know i mean what howard shore did and it's amazing although i was I was watching the movie the other day. I'll 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 watch it once a year, you know, yeah, the, yeah. the trilogy or whatever. And 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 I and I'll read the book maybe once every other year. And it's amazing how the book is so much better than the movies, even though I love the movies, but gosh, the book, I mean, they did what they they could do. They could not right. tell the story of the books. Um, but I I just couldn't believe how much I enjoyed the books actually better. So you, you folks at home, make sure you read. Appreciate you playing Midnight Suns and stuff like that, but don't forget about books. <laughs> yeah, go read the the the, the origin, the, the the source material. I think that's, yeah, the trilogy know. the trilogy was something. It, it just it, it really really catch, captured something. So absolutely. Um, so talk to me about. Uh, I think we probably covered this probably in a past uh, interview, but I'm, now that you know, I think game game composing has changed so much, and uh, with the technology getting better, it's a lot of, you know, you can just send stems sometimes, and then the audio designers can you know rework how music comes in timing and like what triggers a certain battle music or something like that so i'm curious as a composer is there any point when you're writing stuff and submitting stuff where you just like get really surprised in a good way when you see the final product where you maybe did not know how your music was being integrated is that such a thing now that we're you know you're just kind of submitting stuff over that you know i need level three you know you know, exciting music or level two emotional music. And then you just submit that. And then you kind of see how it's work, working in, in the final game. Is that something that you love to see or is that? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think Warhammer would be a great example of it, you know, because we're told us to overwrite in, mm -hmm. in, in the, in the queue. So um, make sure that we fill every little 
nook and cranny with, you know, the major food groups of strings, woodwinds, percussion, brass, choir, you know, that sort of things like that. So we'll, uh, we'll sometimes overwrite and then they will do is they'll have all the stems and they'll, they'll take it out and then I'll, I'll listen to it in the game. And I'm like, this is brilliant. I mean, it really yeah. feels amazing what they do with our stems and the same thing with battles, uh, you know, seeing, seeing how it's, how they'll, oh, this is, you can tell that something's going on and this and that, and it, the, the percussion or the layers or something, something happens that triggers in there. So by writing thicker, I guess the normal, it really gives them more options to integrate stuff and, and just create a more interactive experience. And, 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 I, and they've been very successful at it. Or one of my favorite examples too, is uh, I did this, the Simpsons games back long yeah. time ago. And so what we did was we went up to Skywalker Ranch and recorded all the stems separately. Uh, and um, then, so if you're, if you're going along, you're playing Bart or Lisa or anybody and, and, and you go in time, you're just going to hear the full mix. But if you start yeah. like making mistakes, they would like, all right, now you're just with the brass and the mallets, you know, playing yeah. that little thing like that. And it worked <laughs> brilliantly to like kind of diffuse the energy and then yeah. basically tell the player like, all right, now you're going the right direction you know, go, go do that thing, this thing or whatever like that. So uh, I think um, that strategy still, that was done whatever, 20, 15 years ago or something like that. And and that was, uh, it still works today and it's, it's, it's brilliant. And I they're going to start doing yeah. more of that with spatial audio yeah. and, and that it's like any way that we can um, help the user experience and, and make it better. I think in games, especially they're trying to eke out every, every little trick that they can play in the book. Yeah, I think it's it just adds more. I think maybe some people see it as like, oh, you're just relenting creative control, but it's also, I mean, you're you are creatively involved with this and you're part of those discussions. And that then now your music gets to be almost composed real time or like real time to whatever you know was happening in the gameplay, which is rather than just having a looping background or something. So it is, yeah, that interactive interactivity with the player and it feels like their decisions are being scored, you know, as it's happening. And I think it just adds a whole level, you know, that's that wasn't there before yeah. like you know yeah yeah and you, you, you yeah you learn you learn to think in eight bar 16 bar phrases and how can you how how can it be deconstructed how can it be you know uh, augmented all these different right. things uh, of you're, you're really thinking about different i think at the beginning it, it took a little bit of you know uh playing around with but now it kind of comes naturally i think uh that if you're writing interactive music of of the layers and the different stuff and and in xcom we had it where um we wrote the battle music in two ways where it was you know good guys bad guys uh sort of sort of aspect of it and they would just like depending on turns they would kind of like blend in it in it how it blended perfectly and it really was like really cool when you know yeah. it's their turn versus your turn and and, and and things like that so there's there's a, there's a few ways of doing it and i and the it's it's been great how they they, they all figured it out yeah so if you're i mean and what's something that you as a composer that you love about video game writing that you can't get in TV or, or, or film writing when you're writing to like a, a locked linear picture, what, what's something that you just as a, you know, creatively rewarding that you can only get from, from video game writing? Yeah. You know, you would, th you would think I would have a great answer after doing so <laughs> many games and uh, TV shows and movies. Uh, so gosh, what would I, what do I get? I, I mean, I, I guess I like the fact I mean, in, 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 there's more of a runway, so you can kind mm -hmm. of play around with more uh, sounds. I think yeah. that that TV shows you don't really have time to. I don't want to say you don't have time to think, 
but uh, I was I was reading a philosopher the other day, and he said, uh, "If you think it just gets in the way," and I'm like, "This guy's a, you know a genius," and I'm like, "How you know sort of thing like that?" So, but I'm like, "Yes, I, I understand that thought." If, yeah, um, yeah. Um, if you if you think overthink things in TV, you, you know you don't get your your minutes uh, in there enough to do it. So you you really have to be instinctual when you're writing TV. So I th I think with um, film and games, I think they have a little bit more in common with each other. Than, than TV some, somewhat, although TV, uh, some TV music that is now coming out, I think it's brilliant. It's oh, not, yeah, yeah. it's not like, it's not like what it, it used to be in the past where it would be looked up upon, you know, with a little bit of a diversion, you know, and it was, it was, it was, you know, now it's on par with, with, with all of it. So I, I feel like it, it's all kind of getting, like, we're understanding that this episodic TV that we're not churning out 25 episodes in every, you know, five days we have to have a new episode done and, and I, I think people are aligning for schedules to be a little bit better so yeah. um so i i think for games what it allows me to do that you don't get it's just it's just tell different stories and and, and help and help and have the people be a part of the story rather than um rather than just be sitting back and you know taking in the entertainment that you have and i think that's the the brilliance of games is 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 if you really love you know, a certain character, if you love, I, I, I happen to like playing Minecraft. It's a lot of fun. I like hearing the music. There's a calm aspect of it when you're, yeah. when you're playing that, like, you know, eight bit, you know, a blocky <laughs> sort of game that you're just like mining stuff. And it's just like, you can just, you know, zone out. And I, I, there's a, a brilliance to it. So I, I think that being able to immerse yourself in, in that area of it, I, th I think is what games gives me over, over those two. Yeah. My brother loves, uh, he always calls it like, like, a uh inventory management management comfort games like just just like yeah, that, that, that just like tickle his ocd that he just loves so it, just it, like, it's totally yeah. i mean i know there's something wrong in my head but i do music so i know there's yeah. definitely something wrong in my head so there's uh <laughs> you know uh yeah just just having having that just sometimes just mindlessly you know mining something gets you through i mean heck i i pulled out during the uh you know during covid I pulled out so many games to just get through. I, I started playing online board games that I never oh, in, nice. thought I enjoyed board games at, at all. And I had friends play it and they're like, oh, you should really play board games. I'm like, board games? I already play <laughs> games, but I, I I really went back, really back to the future in in, in that stuff. And I and I find board games amazing and it's a lot of fun, yeah. fun to play. And the people that are making those spaces, uh, you know, I, there's no music in, in those games, but I, I think it's, I think it's brilliant. I think, you know, I mean, Monopoly online, any of that sort. I mean, not that board game, but like I'm right, playing strategic, yeah, well-known, yeah, well-known. Yeah, so I, I didn't think I was gonna. Yeah, yeah, I didn't think I was gonna like it. And and the same thing, you know, back when I when I first started doing XCOM, when it was a turn-based strategy game, I didn't think I was gonna like it. I'm like turn-based. What is? I don't. That's like chess. I don't want to play like yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. chess sort of thing. It's brilliant. It's so much fun. And so you know, for us gamers, if you think that you you like a certain thing or don't like a certain thing. I mean, there's give it a chance. I mean, nine times out of 10, you're going to love what these people are making and, and take it for what it is. I mean, almost, almost any game I can find, you know, uh, some enjoyment out of it for sure. Yeah. And I think Midnight Suns does a really good job at, at approaching that turn base because it, it keeps you on your toes. You don't fall into patterns, you know, you don't, it, you have to, you know, do different techniques every time and it different elements come in and can change up and you have to adjust your strategy. So it's definitely, if you're, looking for kind of that up to keep you on your toes type guy gameplay that is every encounter is different. I think that they did yeah. a really good job hitting that out of the park. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree.
Yeah. Well, as we wind down, I'm curious, is there anything coming up that, that you have on your plate that you're allowed to talk about? I know we don't want to break any NDAs or anything. Is there anything that... <laughs> um, <laughs> nothing I can say right now other than okay. the DLCs I know that are coming out for uh, Midnight Suns and and uh, Warhammer still, they're, yeah. they're, they're doing a whole host of things like that. So that's, that's some more uh, of that goodness. I think that's the thing I can talk about. The other things I shouldn't probably mention but i you know right um, there's always talks there's a always few films that are, yeah. yeah there's a few films that are coming up that are shooting soon and you know i'm we'll, we'll see you know catch yeah. catch me in six months or a year whenever whenever these things get you know do it but i i hope i hope to be working on great stuff because um i will say uh, you know i know everyone went through a tough time during the pandemic and i was just so thankful that the projects that we just discussed and and a, and a couple yeah. films that we I was able to, you know, work on during that because there's nothing uh, better than putting your creative energy into something rather than, you know, it was a trying time for everybody. And and yeah. I was just grateful that I was able to be uh, using that energy, you know, in, in something rather than just like, oh my God, what are we going to do during the pandemic sort of thing like that? So it kept me busy. Uh, it was great to work on. So I'm just thankful, thankful to be part of it. Yeah. Yeah, we're. I mean, I I echo that sentiment too because I'm in animation and we didn't shut down. So you, we just had. Yeah, it was stressful because we had to adapt and remote recording and all that. Like you just mentioned, struggling, and we had yeah. to send recording materials to people's houses to record voices. <laughs> so it was it was like a whole thing. But yeah, it was working and it was stressful. But we were very fortunate that we still got to channel that through and. Um, and yeah, but it, and and hopefully with these new projects, uh, next time when I'm in LA this summer, we can do it yeah, first yeah. and talk about it. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, safe move, man. Safe move. Yeah. Well, welcome back. You know, you, you. the hot summers, the super hot, you know, summers are gone for you. I know. I'm I'm a desert guy. I don't I I don't miss humidity. You like the dry. You like the dry <laughs> like heat, the dry, right? Yeah. yeah then then it's supposed to be 80 degrees East tomorrow Coast. in February here in Maryland. I don't understand what's going on today. It's like 76. I don't. And then it's supposed to drop to 40 because of the the winter storm front moving. I'm like, I just need my. And I know you guys are getting a good amount of rain. So well, we're getting we're getting nailed pretty good here. So yeah. you, you watch out. We're like the people are going to talk about California's falling off the into the ocean in the next next couple of days. So we'll we'll see. Yeah. We'll see if we can survive it, you know. <laughs> yeah, keep yeah, keep it there for me while until I get back. Well <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we'll do the best we can. Well, Tim, thank you so much for chatting again. It's so it's always yeah. great to talk to you and, and appreciate your time. And yeah, it's been a blast. Thank you so much. Thanks, Guy. I really appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs>